1: As my co host just said, yo, 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 listeners, welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. It's the IPL Super Over Show, number six for this IPL season. And there have been 61 of 70 league games played before the playoffs starting pretty soon. They'll come around very quick, but an exciting last week of um, action left. Paul, my co host, Paul Dennett, welcome. How are you? Hey, Menes, I'm good. Hey, everyone.
0: Um, geez it's gone quick hasn't it it's gone quickly it seems um, as though life is speeding up even faster than ever that um, I can't believe that we've had 61 matches of the IPL it just seems like five minutes ago that we started doing these but one more week and then we're into
1: the finals yes indeed it's been another thrilling week and uh, culminated in uh, some stunning results on the weekend, all ends of the spectrum. So so let's start with the power rankings to see where we are with the teams heading into the final week. All right. Well, let's start with just the table. So uh, to give you a quick update, um,
0: Gujarat Titans are clear in front. Uh, they're on 16 points and they've got two games to go. CSK are second with only one game to go. They're on 15. Then Mumbai are third. They've also got two games to go. They're on 14. Uh, Lucknow are on 13. They have two games to go. Then there are four teams on 12. Um, RCB, Rajasthan Royals, Kolkata Knight Riders and Punjab Kings. But two of those, Rajasthan and Kolkata, have only got one game left to go. So in terms of... um who's likely to make the playoffs, although mathematically it's only actually Delhi that can't, uh, there's a fair few teams that are really unlikely to make it. But in terms of um, the power rankings at the moment, uh, Mumbai Indians have had uh, a fantastic little period. They have won two of their last four games, sorry, uh, they won their last two games and they've won four in their last five. So after a relatively slow start to the season, um, they've come up into third spot disappointingly, my man, um, Tim David, hasn't had the greatest of weeks, but Surya Kumar yadav uh, has been absolutely on fire for them. Um, also in the power rankings, um, KKR have had a pretty good little little spell. They've won three of their last four, but realistically, uh, it's going to need a miracle for them to make the playoffs. So, uh, Menaz, I don't know if you've seen it there in the notes, but I've put in there the um, the percentage chances that the uh, if you sort of do a bit of maths with the betting odds as to the chances of the, uh, the team actually winning uh so Delhi Capitals as i said are actually eliminated sunrises Hyderabad and KKR to the nearest percentage chance are zero Rajasthan and Punjab are 2 and 3 uh RCB are 9% Lucknow 11% but the big 3 Mumbai are 20% CSK are 24% and the defending champions Gujarat yet again looking the goods uh they are a 32% chance of winning according to the betting market what do you think of that
1: yeah, it makes sense to me. Gujarat by far looked the str- – well, I wouldn't say they looked the strongest team. They just looked the most consistent, and it, they've just got this ability to win from anywhere. Rashid Khan uh, can do anything for that team with the bat or bowl, ball. Um, interestingly, my team of the week last week, Delhi Capitals have been uh, bundled out of the competition a week after receiving that fine accolade of um, yeah, it's being – given really disappointing, the- isn't it? Mm
0: because um, I'd kind of got onto a bit of a role supporting them just because I, yeah, I like Ricky Ponting, I like David Warner. Um, uh, just it was going to be a nice news story, even if they didn't make the finals, but if they, if they had a really strong end to the season, but the momentum that we were talking about that they'd built up um, in last week's show has kind of faded away. They're at rock bottom. As I said, they are mathematically eliminated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think this has this damaged Ricky Ponting's brand as a sort of a, regarded as one of the great thinkers and great leaders of cricket. I I think it's probably um, his brand has probably taken a bit of a hit.
1: Oh, absolutely. The the fact that the team has performed so poorly. and, And one thing that seems to stick out to me is that it's not so much that any one individual player is bad, but I just feel they've got the whole balance of this top order wrong. So I think Mitch Marsh and Phil Salt aren't bad players, but I just don't think you can have both at the top of the order. And then when you add in David Warner, who's who's not the belligerent David Warner of the past, although we've seen patches of it, I think Ponting should have been smart enough to realise that you were going to get a more tempered Warner and how you build the top order around it is important. And I don't think Mitch Marsh and Salt were the right characters, especially the fact that they're overseas players. And surely there was better suited players to the conditions in the market. Yeah, um... They've had a few injuries, but that's not enough to excuse
0: what's happened. I mean, every team gets uh, gets some injuries. Uh, we'll go, We'll come to it later in the show. But interestingly, they've got two of the best-performed bowlers in the entire uh, in the entire tournament. So they, uh, it's really their batting that's let them down so badly. Yes, absolutely.
1: All right. Um, so is that ball one done? Um, the super over. Great. The well, let's well, great. Well, let's move on to ball two. <laughs> And uh, Well, you did. You smashed it. Uh, and then let's move on to ball two. And look, it's a little bit of a discussion I want to have with Paula around, you know, what I think the viewer deserves from the commentators. And, and it came out of an incident that happened on Saturday at the Sunrise's home ground when they were hosting Lucknow Super Giants. And uh, look, I will put on record that Paul and I are both cricket commentators in Australia. We, are, we do work for a couple of organizations so you know we we have some knowledge of what goes on behind the scenes but not nearly at this level um so on saturday what happened was uh, something happened on 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 the field and play was stopped and i actually wasn't listening to the commentary as is normal and then i turned the sound up because i wondered why play had stopped and i couldn't work out what had gone on so then i had to go i went back through the footage and i found what had happened was one of the Lucknow... So so Lucknow was fielding and the home team were batting sunrises and there was a disputed no ball call and then play stopped and it turned out uh, an object had been thrown at the Lucknow players, a, a dangerous object. And you saw when you went back over the footage, one of the Lucknow players secretly hand an umpire the object. They tried to hide it, but you could certainly see something being handed to the umpire. And then... Play sort of was stopped for a while and the commentators didn't say what was going on and they just played highlight to the cricket. And then at some stage, Simon Dool said, um, I won't say what happened. And then they, the play resumed. And that was it. Now I guess, so I then tweeted out, Oh, look, I think an object has been thrown at a Lucknow player, but no, uh, the commentators aren't saying what's going on. And I will preface this, the world feed we're getting is not the only commentary. So maybe on the local Indian commentary, or in some other language um, commentary, they actually said what was going on. But this is just the feed I saw. And, and Lisa Stelaker replied to my tweet, form, former Australian cricketer, that um, she concurred with my assessment of what, what transpired out in the middle. So, so Paul, I guess I want to throw to you the, the the first question: Are the restrictions put on commentators by whoever runs the IPL too much when a commentator can't actually say what's happened in front of them? Yeah, of course there are. There should be no restrictions um,
0: from a moral standpoint, but also from a pragmatic standpoint. The IPL is so big and so successful; they don't need to censor things. I mean. They uh Indians are quite rightly very proud of the fact that when you look at the um some metrics, the IPL is second only to the NFL in terms of um the money that it's bringing in per game. It's a juggernaut. They don't need to have censorship that that you know that it's self-defeating. And as a viewer, uh, if you're watching it with any level of kind of attention, your instincts straight away realize when something's wrong. I've seen it before in I think it was in an ICC event where, <clears throat> something happened that it was like an umpiring um, uh, controversy and I was eagerly awaiting the scrutiny that the commentators would naturally apply going back replay after replay discussing it opinions forensically assessing it and I got nothing and I realized oh this is an ICC event clearly they are under instructions not to try to bring the game into what they think is just dis- uh, you know a state of disrepute it's not if 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 you allow the commentators to just say whatever, um, it brings a level of robustness to the coverage and a level of authenticity to the coverage. Plus, it's box office television. That if they were suddenly starting to talk about something that had been thrown on the field or, or something like that, the if you could have a, a tracker of the ratings every minute, the ratings would go up because no one's turning away at that moment. It's 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 a highly exciting um, uh, point in, in in the in the coverage. So. I just think it's self-defeating. I think it's dishonest. I can understand why they want to control everything, but just let it up there. Let it go. Let the commentators say whatever they want, and it will ultimately be to the benefit of the league.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Look, I, and I think that's that's what I want to say. It was very disappointing that professional commentators can't actually say what's happening in front of them, that the game has been stopped because an object has been thrown at a player. Just not being able to make that statement seems uh, ridiculous and farcical. Yeah. I don't know if that implicit restriction was put on the commentators. Sometimes it's inferred what you can say, so I'm not sure. Uh, I do understand commentators being asked to put a positive spin on things. And Paul and I have said we will put a positive positive spin on whatever cricket tournament you want us to pay pay to commentate on. And you know what I would have said, Paul, if I was commentating – oh, you know, it's really disappointing what's happened, but look how well the umpires are handling this. And you can see the two teams talking about it in a great spirit, shows how well the IPL's um, played. It's, you know, one disappointing action from one fan. It doesn't reflect the fan base here. We always have a great time at sunrises and hopefully the officials get uh, under control. And then you throw to the highlights. You know, you don't, you can, you can walk past, you can sort of move on from it in a positive way without ignoring it. So... Um, well,
0: maybe, but if you've got the director in your ear saying, oh, by the way, men, if you mention that, um, the door's that way, you can never come back, then, I, you know, I, what? Um, my attitude is, well, we joke about, you know, we'd say anything, but in all seriousness, I don't blame the individual commentators, that it is a massive opportunity at the peak of your career, if you're going to say to the IPO world, no, unless you give me carte blanche to say whatever I want, then I'm not going to go over there and do it, well, I think that's a fair bit to ask of someone um you know we've we've talked before about ian chapel and michael holding who have bravely um stood up to these sorts of things and i have enormous respect for both of them for what they did but they both were at the very end of their careers and they didn't need the job so they, they kind of were in that position where they could do that if you're a younger commentator and trying to forge a career it's a very big thing to suddenly just try to stand up to them and, and you shouldn't have to <clears throat>
1: absolutely i'm not blaming the commentators i mean it you know you have to put food on the table you have to pay the grocery bills and all that stuff so it's not a a slight on those commentators in particular but you know so i guess on that then uh, led me to think you know when we commentate or i've been given certain guidance so obviously um guidance around language um one organization um, well, you know, just, you can't swear and you have to sign yeah, yeah. paper around that because it's a, a broadcast on, on, you know, Australian TV and they get fined if yeah, you that's break fine. that. Um, and I've been given things, you know, stick to sort of cricket topics. Um, you know, if you want to have a chat about stuff, try and make it just about, you know, other cricket that's going on, which makes sense, you know, that does, um, I don't want to sort of bordering off into my opinions and politics and stuff on a, a cricket <laughs> broadcast, but I've never been given sort of really tight restrictions. Um, obviously it's at a much lower level. So that's the sort of stuff I've been given. And then you get, you often get given stuff about sponsors, you know, these are the sponsors you can talk about sort of these sponsors, but don't talk about any of their competitors. Um, but, but, but I guess, Paul, how much would you take? Like if the IPL series said come over, but he's, all the things you can't talk about, um, you know. Would you go?
0: Yes, I mean they'd have to, for me to say no. If the IPL said, "Would you like to come and commentate?" Yeah, the they would have to. I don't know what they'd have to say to me for me to say no. If they said <laughs> part of your um, commentary deal is that you need to spruik cigarettes to kids every five seconds, I, I might stop at that. But, um, okay, well,
1: can I, can I just ask you then? then? So Ian Chapel <laughs> was told he's not allowed to talk about DRS. Now, now this is one of the, the, the biggest highlights of your life is talking about DRS. They said you can come, but you cannot talk about DRS. How
0: would well, do? that's the interesting thing because that was back – they wouldn't do that now, but they did do that, as you said, back a decade ago when, yes. when India weren't having DRS. And, the, and, the, and it was a very specific issue because – they still had the Hawkeye technology, and there'd be instances where they would show if they wanted to say, Oh, you know, he's um, uh, here's, here's something interesting on Hawkeye showing the, the length of the balls being pitched and where they're you know, something like that. But then all of a sudden, there'd be a big LBW appeal, the umpire would give it um, whatever, the players would clearly be aggrieved, and you're hanging out for the, the DRS replay, the, the, the Hawkeye replay, and they wouldn't show it. And that was ridiculous, and that's where Ian Chappell um wasn't willing to cop it. But again, as I said as much as I admire him immensely for doing that, he was at the end of his career. um, He had plenty of other gigs on. He didn't need it. Um, If they come out of the blue and ask me and say, you know, I mean, they're not going to say that you can't talk about DRS now, but if they were to do that, I'd say, sure. I've never heard of DRS. What is it? (laughs) Yeah, what are you talking about? It's some sort of Formula One term, isn't it? Terrible. Worst thing ever. Some sort of, um, that joke would have worked better if you knew anything about Formula One, Menace. Yes, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Um,
1: Is it a brake system? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Something okay. Like that. Um All right. Well, I, I guess then I I'm, I'm sort of similar to you, but you know, if it got to a point where someone's thrown an object on the field like that and I've got a director saying you can't talk about it, I would talk about it. And no, you I would, would just I absolutely would. I would just be just off we go. What's the
0: match fee of a typical commentator there? Like what are they getting for well, a game? 10 well, grand? if look
1: you, for no for us it'd be, you know. It'd be you know pie and chips and a, a bus ticket home, but no. But you know, if, they'll, if, they'll,
0: if you're on the coin that they're on, and they said, "Listen, you, you can still stay." I'm in saying me, me, hotels. me. I
1: I would be like, "Excuse me," and I would just, I would just go. I would no, because I would be that big. If I'm being asked to commentate on the IPL, <laughs> I'm that. i mean, in that held in that high regard. I can get other commentary jobs, but I can't get my integrity back.
0: So <laughs> that that to right, me would well. draw a line. We've gone into a very nice fantasy world here,
1: but I like it. <laughs> um. So look, th- that's all. I. So yes, I just think that um. You know, it's implicit on other commentators. So not maybe other commentators, but also the cricket community to to push back against this kind of uh, control commentary. Like the ones who should push
0: back are the senior Indian commentators. The you know Ravi Shastri and Harsha Bogle and Sunny Gavaskar and those types. Um. Should really be the ones saying, "Hey." Come on, we're bigger and better than this. We don't need to have this level of censorship.
1: Mm. Uh, but talking a game up, I'm all for. Like, if you, and I'm not being, you know, if you watch me talk about, you know, commentating cricket, you know, sometimes I make a, a forward defense sound like it's a, you know, a forward defense in a grade game sound like it's a, a World Cup final and it's the last ball. But um, <laughs> anyway, all right, that's my ball. Just wanted to have a chat about the commentary. So that's two balls of the sixth ball over. Paul, over to you. All right, so looking at the Aussie watch for the week.
0: Um, pleasing to see that Nathan Ellis has returned uh, for Punjab Kings. He took um, one for 29 off his four overs when they um, when they played Kolkata. Uh, Maxwell's been in great form. He smashed 68 from 33 against Mumbai. Berendorf took some wickets. Poor old Tim David, as I said, hasn't had the greatest week out for a duck, a golden duck in that game. Um, then Mitchell Marsh, bowled really well three for 18 off three overs in 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 a game where david warner was out for a duck but marsh hasn't been getting that many runs um tim david failed again cameron green's not getting a great deal of a hit and stoinis got a 40 odd um mitchell marsh's impressive bowling record was uh, given a bit of a a a tap when he went for 21 off one over and david warner played his most um uh, aggressive innings of the of the of the series of the tournament so far uh, in a pretty disappointing losing effort 54 from 27 a strike rate of 200 uh, in that game Nathan Ellis two for 26. Um, Glenn Maxwell had a, a barnstorming game for RCB against Rajasthan he scored 54 off 33 um, in a, a pretty slow effort um, and then chipped in for a wicket as well uh, got the key wicket of um, Hetmeyer. Uh, Rajasthan Royals got bowled out for 59, of which Hetmeier scored 35. So he's got 59% of the, of the runs. Um, almost a, a Bannerman moment there. So um, that's the week easy. Um, for Adam Zampa took two for 25 in that game as well. So it's so a fairly decent return there. So that's the week for the Aussies. Um, we'll cut to their averages, but Menas, you want to add anything about your thoughts on the Aussies this week?
1: I liked what I saw from Glenn Maxwell with the bat here. He looked good in the, um, the bits I saw. And Cameron Green just continues to impress, just like what I'm saying. He's dropped down the order for Mumbai, which I think is probably better for him, take a bit of the pressure off him. Um, but just like what I say with the ball in the field, and, and I actually think it's the Australian team really going to benefit from it. But, yeah, probably Maxwell to stand out, but it's very quiet for the Aussies. I mean, you know, Warner and Marsh, Delhi, but it's, it's you know. Zampa bowled well, though took Zampa yeah. bowled well on Sunday night. Yes, yeah, but
0: Maxwell's been the star, and his figures now, he's um averaging 35 for the tournament at a strike rate of 183, and it's very stark, the comparison with Warner. Average is almost the same, Warner averaging 32, but a strike rate of 127. We keep on going back to it, but you think of how aggressive and um, some, um, he was for so long, um, and he has improved a little bit, but that's um, a pretty low output for him. Uh, Stoinis averaging twenty-five strike rate of one hundred and forty-two. Green averaging forty strike rate of one hundred and forty-nine. Tim David still strike rate of one hundred and sixty-six, average of twenty-six. So his figures aren't that bad. Just hasn't had the greatest of week, uh, greatest of weeks. And Mitchell Marsh disappointing with the bad, averaging only fourteen strike rate of one hundred and thirty-two. Um, Mitchell Marsh is the most economical, along with Hazelwood of the Aussies, going at only eight point four runs and over. Ellis at ten point at eight point six um, has done pretty well as well. So. Yeah, as you say, a uh, reasonably quiet sort of period for the for the Aussies, um, pepper with a couple of highlights, especially from Maxwell.
1: All right, that is Aussie Watch. Now to ball four and another talking point. Come off, come up with the talking points. Paul's come with the stats. But big news <laughs> out of big news out of Australia, the big bash has been shortened. So it has gone from a 14-round season to a 10-round season. Which, takes the total, which reduces the total number of games by 16 games in that first stage. Uh, it looks like they're actually going to adjust the finals as well with the Big Bash. But just looking at the league stage primarily, Paul, so the Big Bash has been shortened. At the moment, the IPL league season is 70 games with 10 teams. The IPL chairman has said that in the season after next, they're going to move to an 84-game season which led 10 more uh, league games and then after that they might go to a 94-game season another 10. So firstly do you think the IPL is too long now with 14 games and they should shorten the tournament to match the Big Bash?
0: No I don't think it is too too long. Um, I think that by all the metrics, it's an absolutely barnstorming success. Uh, everything I can see is that everyone in India is lapping it up. And if anything, they're probably feeling sad that it's coming to an end. It is an interesting point, though, that uh, the Big Bash, when we um, when it moved to a proper full home and away um, season, that extra bit is commonly regarded as it, it was a little bit of a bridge too far. That's what the IPL intends to do over these coming years. It might sound like, what, you, you know, what are they jumping up, adding all, all these games? But by going to a 94-game tournament, that is actually going to be a proper home and away league. That's the four games of the finals. The 90 games is allowing each team to play the other team once home and once away. Now, at the at the rate that they're currently doing it with kind of um, a fair few doubleheaders, they, they get through about 10 games per week. So that's nine weeks plus a week for the final. That's 10 weeks. That's, uh, you know, two and a half months. I think it's inevitable that it's going to go to that length. I think it's going to be successful at that length. And at the moment, although he said that there's no intention of increasing the team numbers, that's going to be the tipping point for me, that in five years' time or eight years' time, there will be a strong temptation to say, tell you what, if we added another two teams and they all had a home and away season, that's 132 games, that's 13 weeks, that's a 14-week tournament. You know, you look at how successful it is and they will start to look at other competitions around the world and say, well, the English Premier League goes for the best part of nine months. Um, One of the shortest competitions is the um, NFL, which kind of is what September through to sort of January only. The IPL is still shorter than that. I think there will be an appetite to increase it. And I think it's something that world cricket needs to get on the front foot with and sort of say, let's give them that 10 week window, um, but let's put a stop on it at that point. And otherwise it's, you know, it will
1: then become too long. Yeah, I tend to agree with you because I think what you're seeing is with the size of the, and the length of the competition. Now, like teams are starting to drop out. So Delhi are out sunrises. They're still in it mathematically, but it, they're very unlikely to make the the finals from here. So you can see that the longer the competition goes, the games do become less relevant, even in a very tight ladder, like we're seeing at the moment, you know, you get lots of great games, but it's going to be a few duds along the way. So if you add on then, well, you know, two more rounds when they increase it and then two more rounds uh, when they increase it again, you run the risk of, well, you know, if a team is out now and they've got another five rounds to play, that's a pretty bit of a slog to the end if you're a viewer and a fan. Um, yeah. i tell you so, what they should do is keep it at 10 teams and don't
0: uh, succumb to the temptation, which they're saying they won't at the moment of, of going beyond that. But... I don't know, is it pie in the sky to put in a second tier at some point and have two two tournaments going simultaneously where you then get the relegation thing and, and that you then, instead of um, Delhi at the moment, any Delhi fan saying, well, what's the point of me watching? It would suddenly be captivating because we need to win another game. Otherwise, we're going to be um, playing in the, um, the ICL, the Indian Championship League next year mm. against um, lesser teams. I don't know. It's, a, it's probably a long way off, but. That would be the ultimate I think they should be aiming for.
1: Well, I think that's the future. I think, you know, our kids will and their kids, that's what they'll be looking at, a a massive um, system like that in India. But I actually think probably something they could do sooner to keep it relevant is move to a conference-style system where you had, like, two conferences of five and the top two of those went through. So, you know, if you're in that conference, you're going to have to be playing pretty badly to, like, drop out of it, you know, contention. Um, so you know, it's yeah. like like they do in baseball, like they do yeah. in the baseball. All standings. American sports, they do it that way, yeah. Mm. So that's what I do. And then, then the last question. So okay, so I guess both of us have fears about the expansion, but we're happy with the length at the moment. What about the IPL expanding across the globe? Do you think the fact that they're they're starting to sort of prop up other tournaments, that's taking away? from the sort of you know the luster of the IPL the fact that you get to see these franchises in action all year in other countries?
0: It's a very good question I don't think it's going to take away from the luster of the IPL I do wonder how successful some of those other tournaments would be Um, and we've talked about it before that if it ultimately ends up that the cricketing calendar is primarily T20 leagues but with defined windows for test cricket i I can live with that as long as it's um you know as long as it's done properly but i do think it means that the 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 bilateral 50 over games and even the bilateral t20 games at at the international level surely are going to be the ones that get squeezed out that i I could i could envisage a future where you could almost have it such that um you have the start of the year is kind of t20 leagues in australia south africa new zealand and maybe Bangladesh and wherever then you move across to some um uh the the Pakistan Super League the the IPL then some test cricket in England and West Indies then the CPL and the um the 100 and then some test cricket in India and Pakistan and uh Sri Lanka a spot for a um an ICC event a World Cup then you conclude the year with test cricket in Australia New Zealand and um, South Africa and you might end up having leagues in competition with each other that it might have to be that uh, the 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 CPL, the Caribbean Premier League, and the and the hundred or whatever they're going to call it in England, go bang bang right head to head, and it's just who whomever can get the best players, and it's kind of like you know, that's what happens in in soccer that the Italian leagues going on at the same time as the Premier League, as the German league, as and as all the leagues. Um, I don't know, it's it's the sort of thing that you play this back in ten years time and it will sound fast fanciful because <laughs> something completely different might happen, but that's the way it looks like it's going.
1: Yeah, I just think if the IPL throws all this money into other leagues and we get these sort of star-studded leagues propping up everywhere then the IPL kind of loses its specialness because you know what's what's great about the IPL now is it's head and shoulders above every other T20 league in the world. Yeah, um, but it, it's not that far ahead now. I mean, it is not that far ahead that other countries if a lot of money is put into their leagues then they couldn't start to catch up. So, um so, I think that yeah, the problem is that while ever yeah. the BCCI don't let Indian players play in other leagues,
0: that's the big advantage, of the, mm. one of the many big advantages that the IPL has. No matter how much money you pump into another league, um, if you don't yeah, have Indians playing in it, yeah.
1: yeah. And I guess, um, you know, too much. can there be too much cricket? You know, I guess I only sort of look at another sport like football in England, like you would think – that there would be too much football for a football fan in England with all the competitions and games on every night and games on all weekend. But I don't think any football fans in England are complaining about too much football. And I, I'm sure the same would be said for cricket fans in India, but also around the world. It's just incredible the the, the football season. And I've been over
0: there when I remember I was there one night in, uh, it was like the classic off season. It was the middle of June or something like that. There was there was, there was a Tuesday night in the middle of June and there was finally no football on. And there was some, he was at some windswept park for some trophy I'd never heard of in the seventh division. And they were reporting Mm. upon that as though it was the, um, the world cup final. And I was like, (laughs) I like football, but these people, these people love it. It's crazy. Absolutely. All right. We're going to, all right. Now we're going to
1: take a quick break, Paul. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with the last two balls of the over and listen to questions. All right. Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menes. I'm with Paul Dennett. It's our Super Over Show, so six balls of the hottest IPL topics and some great chats so far. But we're up to ball five. Paul, from the round end. You and know,
0: I come from the round weekend. Well, you know, they've got the orange and purple caps in the uh, IPL for the most runs and the most wickets. And we've said that they should get a cap for the most um, – Economical bowler and the most uh, power hitting batter. So let's do that. So, first of all, we'll report on the actual ones. The orange cap for most runs, Faf Duplessis, 631, pretty comfortably clear of Jaiswal and then Conway, so uh, 575 and 498. Um, Surya Kumar, Yadav, Shubman, Gill, and Coley um, coming along there next. But um, the more pressing one, surely, and I've decided that um, I'll christen it as the, well, we were in Sydney, so we're going to um, call it in terms of Sydney, the Sydney teams in the Big Bash, we'll call it the Lime Green Cap, lime green cap and the Magenta Cap for the like for the Thunder and the Sydney Sixers. Um, and so let's start with, I think, where have I got this here? You might be able to tell I'm padding as I've lost my spot in the That's all right. I'll just feel... <laughs> you're an old pro. <laughs> Sydney Thunder.
1: How are... So the, the Thunder should be the... Is that the batting cap or the ball? Yes, lime green cap is the highest strike rate. Now, the yes. thing that annoys me... Makes whenever you look up, with that.
0: Whenever you look up the strike rate is that they have, you know, Fred Smith who's scored 30 runs off six balls and he's number one. It's like, no, I don't want to... I, you're going to have to have some sort of minimum uh criterion here and that is 300 runs is what it's going to be okay um so at the moment in first place Surya Kumar Yadav with a strike rate of 191 and he scored 479 runs so that's nothing like a kind of a a wobbly um dodgy stat that is robust um our man Glennie Maxwell is second on 182.9 um Heinrich Klaassen will be third because he's um only scored 262 runs and he's on 180.7. Once he gets a few more, same as Nicholas Puran on 292 uh, runs and a strike rate of 173. Uh, Ajinkya Rahane on 169.9, only has 282 runs as well. I'm saying them because by the end of the tournament, you would think they will have reached their 300 level. Um, But currently in third place is Yashavi Jaiswal from Rajasthan Royals, who has a strike rate of 166.2. So... Yadav first, Maxwell second, Jaiswell third. Um, Faf du Plessis still up there. Um, he's in um, about fifth position uh, in that in the race for that cap with a striker of 154. So he's uh, in contention for both caps. But as it stands, it's Surya Kumar Yadav's to lose. Jeez, uh, cricket's then... a funny
1: game, Paul, isn't it? Because, you know, when Sky came into this tournament, what, didn't he have that run of ducks in the the series against Australia and everyone thought uh, is this is this the end for our man's guy well
0: and a clearly. couple of it in the IPL as well like there's a point at the IPL where I distinctly remember him walking off and feeling really sorry for him It's like oh all this promise um, you, you're looking pretty ordinary but wow um, he certainly turned that around moving to the wickets the purple cap is Rashid Khan at the moment on 23 followed by Yuzvendra Chahal on 21. Uh, Chawla, Mohammed Shami, and Varun are on 19, um, as uh, as is Deshpande. So those are the ones for the purple cap. But for the real one that matters, the magenta cap, the best economy rate, um, minimum of 30 overs is what I've described that you have to bowl. And our man Akshar Patel from the Delhi Capitals with, a stri- with an economy rate of 6.8 leads Kuldab, Kuldeep Yadav from the Delhi Capitals with a strike rate of 7.11. And that's what I was um referring to at the start of the show. Isn't that incredible that the 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 two leaders in the in the time honored magenta cap both play for the hapless Delhi Capitals?
1: Look, I knew the Delhi Capitals batting was bad, but that's that really highlights how bad it's been because they, they bowl pretty well at times, but it's just been an absolute disaster with the bat. So great performance by them and great stuff with those caps.
0: Yeah, so I think it'll take off. um, It surely should. Just to uh, run you through a couple of the others, uh, Jadeja, the absolute legend that he is, in third place, (laughs) 7.22.
1: Krunal Pandya,
0: 7.26. Moen Ali is 7.50. And Ashwin at 7.51. So Ashwin and Jadeja, two of the greatest Indian cricketers of all time, figuring prominently in those stats.
1: Mm. It's going to look weird, like, at the end of the games and tournament like putting big batch franchise hats on players at the IPL but I, I think it could work <laughs> all right well I they've done the fun- it they've,
0: you know they've they've basically they've got the Hobart Hurricanes hat and the Perth Scorchers hat don't they
1: really yeah exactly <laughs> um all right so final ball of the over and i just wanted to sort of highlight some of the batting exploits of this week because there's actually been some pretty crazy stuff happening with the willow wouldn't want to be a bowler this week well you mentioned rashid khan with the ball you'll see 10 sixes in one innings what a cricketer he's amazing what a cricketer (laughs) uh so um yeah don't forget rashid khan with the bat um so Suryu Kumar Yadav scored his first ever IPL century. He's made three T20 centuries for India, but he made 103 not out of 49 balls against Gujarat. And it was his, as I said, first ever IPL ton. At that stage, it was the fourth IPL ton of the tournament. And then the next night, Prabh, probably mm, I think I've spelt this name Probably Simran, yeah, I added some extra letters in there. Probably Simran Singh. No, it's, yeah, it's Prabhupada Simran.
0: I think yeah, you've added an extra letter in there.
1: Yeah, I have. Um, Prabhupada Simran Singh yeah. um, scored 103 of 65 balls uh, for the Punjab Kings versus the Capitals. Uh, tremendous performance. Dominated the scoring in that innings. It was Bannerman-esque. Um, so that was the fifth tonne of the tournament. So good week for the batters so far, but it got better on the weekend. So in that game on the weekend, so Lucknow Super Giants basically almost killed by objects thrown at them from the stand. So, you know, you they're playing under extreme duress, Lucknow. They're chasing 183 to win. Um and Nicholas Pooran came in and hit forty-four of thirteen. Hit four sixes and three fours to lead Lucknow to victory when they were really struggling. They they needed at one stage almost fourteen runs and over, and then Pooran just iced it uh, with forty-four off thirteen. That's a three hundred and thirty-eight strike rate. Um, but the batting performance of the week was uh, you mentioned it before. Yashavi Jaiswal made the fastest ever IPL half century. 50 of just 13 balls. So uh, that was uh, for the Rajasthan Royals against KKR. So that's the fastest ever IPL century. It's not the fastest ever T20 century. That's 12 half century. balls. Half century, sorry. So the fastest 13 ball century would be pretty incredible. <laughs> uh, so fastest ever 50 of 13 balls. 12 is the overall record in international cricket. Yuvraj Singh did that Um, And actually, Gail did it in the Big Bash as well in 2016. Um, And also, uh, Hazratullah Zazo from Afghanistan did it as well. But uh, the fastest ever IPL 50, quite incredible. But if you are Rajasthan Royals coach, so this week, they chased down one for 151 in 13.1 overs against KKR. Improved their net run rate. Big win. Jacewell breaks the record. You can imagine they're all smiles. They finished the weekend, as you mentioned, Paul, being bowled at for 59 against RCB. So the third and like lowest
0: is- total for a completed innings in IPL history. Second lowest was the same franchise with 58. And then the lowest total ever was RCB with a total of
1: 49 um back about six years ago all right so that's it and i just wanted to um just, i just looked at the boundary count and when you look at these figures paul it is actually just mind-blowing there's been 918 sixes so far and things i know they like flash up but you know when you're watching a mini or whatever they flash up really quickly. you don't get a chance to digest it almost a thousand sixes and 1,761 boundaries. That's an average of 44 a game. It's pretty good. I can say I was, why it's um, very good.
0: <laughs> it surprise, won't surprise you at all that um, I've discovered a piece of gold on YouTube that um, uh, previously I'd never seen anything like this, but they have uh, there's suddenly appeared extended highlights of a match from uh, 1961 between Australia and England. It's a famous game where Richie Benno Uh, bold Peter May around his legs. But they've got about 45 minutes of highlights. And back in those days, they did that weird thing where they'd show random bits of highlights. And every now and again, they'd show three or four balls in a row for no reason. And you'd actually get a feel for the actual um, coverage. And Brian Johnston was commentating. And he was really having a go at the England players, saying, you know, they really should be getting a move on now. And it's really disappointing that they're not. And then um, um, uh, Ken Barrington was batting. Bob Simpson was bowling, and Barrington jumps down the wicket and defends him wide of mid-on, and they take a single. And the, the comment, oh, there's a, there's a bit of footwork there. And the crowd sort of rises as they say, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we're having a go at you for not playing bright cricket. Well, we were wrong because you've just hit a single. And it was just like this feeling of rippling around the crowd of, oh, this is pretty this is pretty cool. Um, so
1: if any of those are still
0: alive and watching the
1: IPL, <laughs> How many si- how many sixes did Bradman hit in his Test career? Um, I always forget this. I
0: think it was something like um four or something like that, and yeah. one of them was off a no ball back in the day when um because it was the back foot no ball rule, you heard it quickly enough that you could actually have a swing. But to be fair to him, um, that with the bats that they used and with the unroped boundaries, and you know they didn't spend any time in the gym, uh, but there's um, you know, I've seen some of the footage of it, like you know, that they can absolutely smack one in, on the um MCG and it goes out 90 meters, um, and doesn't reach the boundary, and they might run five. So, the, the the percentages of trying to hit a six just weren't there. And Brad was just so um pragmatic, just that why would I risk an extra two runs when I probably won't hit it for six anyway, and I give myself a chance of being caught. I'm sure if he was around in the IPL today, he would, um, and if he was a professional. He'd be in the gym like a psycho. He'd build up Popeye forearms and um yeah, he'd have hit an eight ball fifty.
1: That's not quite possible. A nine ball fifty. No, oh, absolutely. He'd be the best <laughs> player in the IPL by a mile. Um, <laughs> but you spoke about some of the reasons why players don't hit didn't hit sixes, you know, longer boundaries, fences, no ropes, um, bats that weren't the as big as tree trunks and all that stuff. And, and you know, the, the games were totally different. But I you know when I read out a stat, 918 sixes, you know, early on, like when, you know, before T20, when I was watching cricket, you know, like you might see a few, you'd see a few sixes a summer, like in a one day game, maybe at the end, if you know Simon O'Donnell was having a great game, he'd hit a couple, but you know, you know, like if someone hit a six, you would run from like the wherever you were to watch it on TV because, you know, there weren't going to be that many.
0: Ian Botham in 1985 came out when England was in you know, a commanding position at Edgbeston and hit his first ball for six, hit his next ball for four and hit his third ball for six. And he said, people used to say of me that I emptied out bars uh, and, I, and I actually, I could see it this day, people actually running out of the bars to come and watch. And that you know they talk about that all these years later because it was just so abnormal for the time. That 50, 50 off 13 balls, when I was growing up, Anytime anyone got a 50 off under 40 balls, which was extraordinarily rare, that felt like it was pushing the bound. Like 50 off 38, 50 off 39 is like, ooh. They've broken the,
1: the sound barrier.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's um we'll have to have a recount. That that that's got to be wrong. But 50 off 13. Um yeah. Remember was it was it um uh, who got 100 off 37 against Kenya? And for a long time that was the fastest hundred. Yes. Um and that just, I remember at the time thinking, that's just ridiculous. You just, that's, I can't even imagine that. But, um, you know, this guy's on and going on for a um, 100 off 26 ball pace the way that he was going. It's incredible.
1: And I, I just think there's no limit. I mean, I, when I watch a game now, I just, you know, you sort of think anything's possible, you know, and, and you know, fair play to some of the bowling in this tournament. They've defended a few targets because, Um, it's, it's, it's quite incredible. So great week for the batters, but
0: I do think, I do think that they need to have the longer boundaries that I'm all for batters getting rewards, but sometimes when they really shank one and clears the fence and clears the rope and they, and and you look up and it's a, a 62 meter six, you just think, well, that's not really how it's meant to be, but yeah, it's a small price to pay.
1: But is that just the way we think about cricket? Because we've grown up in Australia that has some of the biggest grounds in the world. I mean, there aren't many countries that have grounds as big as ours. So is it is that just an Australian view of cricket and not actually cricket?
0: Uh, it's a good question. I don't think that's true. I mean, Harsha Bogle, for one, is um, I think pretty keen for the boundaries to be made bigger, certainly in the, the WPL. But I, I think that um, when you rope them in, and you give the bats that are so powerful that it's it just doesn't look right where um, if you if you hit a six and you don't quite middle it and it's kind of just sails into the crowd, yeah, that's fair enough. But when you hit one that, it's, that you've got nowhere near the middle of the bat on it and it really the bowler has beaten you um, for all that matters on that ball, I, I think that's not ideal for that to be going for six.
1: Yeah. All right. So we've got a couple of listener questions here. So that's the end of the super over. Thanks everybody for listening to the IPL super over. We've just got a couple of quick questions here before we get out of here. We've gone very long. Um, Martin Lawrence has, um, I think he said he thinks the answer is three sixes for Bradman. So, um, we will check that and Paul will correct you as soon as possible. Um, <laughs> Martin Lawrence, uh, surely julisa can't be as bad as technology as me well martin she is probably worse and i don't know you but I'm pretty sure no one could be as bad as her so you win i'm telling you you win
0: i've got the answer uh, um yes. he six sixes in his test career um and he hit 618 fours
1: okay great all right, Sharada M. No disrespect to Matt Short, but he doesn't look ready for higher honours. Is the BBL a good enough league to select future Oz T20 teams? Well, Sharada, it's a very good point. Um, I do not think Matt Short has had a great IPL. He probably does look a little bit short of that class. I'm not ruling it out in the future, but uh, I think you get some pretty good players out of the Big Bash, Paul.
0: Yeah, Um And obviously, if if the Australian players were in there, as they should be, uh, then the standard would be even higher. But, um, yeah, it's a sort of an age-old question in Australian selections that we sometimes have um, our top players not playing all that much international T20 cricket, and all these players who then excel in the big bash sometimes don't get a look in, and we fall back on the sort of tried tried and true. But they tend to perform a little bit better, that some of the the, the, the stars out of the Big Bash, a bit like Ben McDermott have kind of, you know, of that ilk have never really um, made it big on the international stage just yet.
1: All right. Great questions, everybody. Martin's hit a couple of other ones, but we will be talking about um, some other cricket topics soon. So Martin will hit those up soon. Uh, yeah. Lots of cricket unfiltered coming this week. So we've got an ashes hot stove on Wednesday with John Norman from talk sport. Just want to dive in there. Jimmy Anderson's done his groin. There's a bit happening over there. Ben Stokes, um, under an injury cloud. So I think Paul, it's time to just see what's happening with the old enemy as uh, the ashes is coming at us very quickly. Sounds good. And also, um, uh, hoping to do a bit of a chat with Paul and Jaleesa about the cricket news because um, Australia's announced its uh, international schedule for next summer. Paul and Jaleesa are fired up about it. So I can't wait to unleash the, I'm ready to the, get nuclear, um, unleash them. Yeah. Um, Cricket, Crick Australia, watch out at Joel Limont, and Dennis about to drop a bomb. And <laughs> uh, yeah, and I've booked some three great interviews for Men's Masterclass. Um, so I'll be announcing those soon. So thanks everybody for listening, um, and uh, we'll be back soon. See you. All.
0: This
1: is a Piccolo Podcast production. I'm going to plug in my computer so it doesn't shut off in the middle of the show, which would be embarrassing. I'm not Jaleesa. We'll be editing that bit out. But for those watching live on YouTube, you get to keep that zinger in there. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay,
0: round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. <gasps>